Well, hello. My name is David Shepard, downtown dweller, avid cyclist, comic book geek, and in my spare time, the proud New Democrat MLA for Edmonton City Center. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to a brand new podcast, The Herd. Now, what you may ask, other than the kind of joke your dad might make, is The Herd. Well, here's the thing. Alberta's going through a lot of changes right now. There's a a lot of hot issues. Our province is still recovering from the worldwide crash of the price of oil. There's still a lot of people that are out of work. We've seen a lot of changes in our political landscape. We just elected our first non-conservative government in 44 years, and now we've swung back the other way. And we've seen some big shifts in policy and priorities for what we're spending our dollars on. And both globally and locally, we're seeing a real rise in political polarization, in prejudice, racism, and even hate crimes. And you know, in my work as an MLA, I talk to a lot of people from all walks of life who have a lot of questions about what it is that we do in our work as elected officials, how that connects to all of those issues, and frankly, how frustrating it can be to try to get clear information about what's actually going on. And frankly, that's a big part of why I stepped up to run for this job in the first place, because I saw that people felt disconnected and they felt disenfranchised by the government and by the people that were elected to represent them. And so, honestly, I wanted to try to change that. I wanted to try to bring government back down to the people, make it easier for them to understand and to see what's happening with our province and the issues that we're facing. And that's what the herd is going to be about. It's a chance for me and some of my other colleagues to talk with you about what's happening under the legislature dome, how that connects to the issues that you care about and the things that you hear every day. So we're going to be talking about a ton of stuff. We're going to talk about education, which is where we're going to start today. We'll talk about the economy, our healthcare system and what's going on there, our changing demographics in the province, the uh, McKinnon report that came out recently, the rise in prejudice, hate crimes. Those are all things that we're going to talk about, the things that we know you are thinking about, that you're talking about with your friends and where maybe you're looking for a bit more information to help you out. So politics, social issues, community, cultural events, that's all going to be part of what we talk about here on The Herd. Now, I know that maybe sounds a little serious, but don't worry, we're going to have some fun here too. I'm not a big fan of political lectures, though I've been known on occasion to give one or two, but uh, we're going to make sure we bring in some great guests. We're going to work in enough fun that you won't even notice you're learning something, I promise. So on that note, it's that time of year when a lot of us are thinking about school. So whether you're a parent, a teacher, a student in post-secondary, or even if you're just seeing all the kids out with new backpacks and thinking back to your own time riding on the yellow bus, it's something in September that's on our minds. So today we're going to take a look at education. All right, so to begin our look at education today, I've got a special guest here who's going to help me uh, talk through some of the issues, some of her own interest in the portfolio. I have here with me today Sarah Hoffman, the MLA for Edmonton Glenora and our official opposition critic for education. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, David. So you were the chair of the Edmonton Public School Board. I was, yeah. And uh, you got into that with a master's in education. So you got some background. You got some knowledge on the file. I do. And even before that, my parents were both public school teachers. They met in the staff room. Um, eventually, they uh, chose to have me and my dad uh, pursued leadership opportunities. I grew up in mostly in Canuso, up in 
uh, northern Alberta, uh, not far from the shores of the Lesser Slave Lake. And both of my parents working at the school, we spent a lot of our time there. You know, my, my mom was a kindergarten teacher and my dad was a principal. So we were there most weekends while they were prepping and doing things to get ready for their classroom. And I really grew up in a school and have tremendous respect for uh, all the sacrifices that people make for us who choose that as a career and, and how rewarding it can be as well. So I actually trained to become a teacher and went on to do a master's and then later um, decided to run for the Edmonton Public School Board. I'm really pleased that I had all those opportunities uh, along the way to help me prepare for this this role that I have as the uh, official opposition critic for education. I think it's incredibly important. We, we as a province, invest about one-fifth of our provincial revenues that we have collectively. So when you see that pump jack out in the field, it's about a fifth of the royalties that are collected off that pump jack go towards supporting public education or, or all of the revenues that we all contribute individually as Albertans. So I'm really proud to be able to help keep that lens of uh, equity and uh, the importance of public education at uh, forefront. So we're spending about 20% of our budget on education. So it's important just for that aspect alone, the investment we're making. But I think even more important is the reason we make that investment. So for you, why is it that it's so important that we make that investment in public education? So I worked uh, with at the board uh, when I was on the school board from 2010 to 2015. I remember there was one principal who said, kids come to school and parents send their kids to school. They send you their best kid, right? They don't send you an average kid. They send you their best. They put everything they can into this little person. They send them into the world to help you make that kid the best they can possibly be too. And I think that's the big part is um, – I don't think our kids deserve to be in overcrowded classrooms. I think they deserve to have opportunities to pursue options. I think it's really important that they have opportunities to work with a music specialist and help foster maybe their own musical talents, but also an appreciation for music. I think it's important that they have uh, people who specialize in different areas and help pull the best out of those kids because really um, I think they deserve to have a full public education. And I think that when I reflect on my experiences, I hope that we're getting even better as we move forward as society, not just staying stagnant at the educational experiences I had when I was a child. So you mentioned there uh, a little bit about kids having options. And yeah. I think uh, the the landscape for education is maybe a little more complex than often we realize. So we've got our we've got our public schools. We've got the Catholic school system. Uh, we have some charter schools, some private schools. There's a lot of different things in the mix. So, isn't it, so how many different options do parents have for schooling in Alberta? Uh, a plethora of options. And I, one of the things that I really uh, enjoyed about my experience uh, on the school board before is that I got to know a lot of these other partners, too. So uh, Francophone districts across this province work to make sure that students have opportunities to learn in both official languages. So in, in French for students who are Francophone or have a parent who's Francophone. Of course, even within the public system, we have many choices. There's often uh, religious programming. Uh, there's also opportunities for um for special talents that we have hockey academies and we have science centers of excellence, those types of things. But even within that, having a great local public school is, uh, I think, the foundation of, of all good education is that that be an option as well. So you served as the chair of the uh, Edmonton Public School Board, and there's other trustees that are, in fact, elected to that. So it's, I think a lot of times people don't realize it's sort of another level of government. You guys actually it run in elections and you're, you're elected to represent. But one of the things I know the school boards don't have the ability, you don't have the ability to actually tax and raise your own revenue. Right. So you're getting your money then from the government of Alberta. Can you break down a little bit of how that funding works? How do school boards get the money they need to operate? And are they free to sort of apply that however they like? 
Well, it wasn't always this way. This was definitely a big change that was made. I think it was in the late 80s. And and I think that the goal at that time was to create more equality across the province. So it wasn't just a school district that had high incomes that could afford to have good quality education and that schools that had a smaller tax base or a smaller royalty base would have less opportunities. It was really about trying to create a level playing field so that all students could have the opportunity to benefit from the wealth we have in Alberta. So um, all of the money... Other than the money for fees or uh, additional um, levies placed upon parents and students comes from the province of Alberta. And one of the things we did in our four years when we were in government is really tried to limit those additional fees so that, again, uh, it's about making sure that we all benefit from the wealth and the investment that, that's made in education. So, uh, yeah, when things are being downloaded to boards and saying boards have the right to make a decision about this but they don't have any additional revenue to fund that decision. You're really not giving them the right to make a decision since uh, the province is the sole funder. So so what you're saying is if the government cuts the amount of money it's giving to the school boards, then they're going to have to make that funding up somewhere else. And that's sure. traditionally been from parents? And even if they freeze it. Uh, we have one of the youngest populations in the country, and lots of people here are having children and sending them to school. So even with a frozen budget, with more students coming, and the other thing is we have more complexities now than ever before, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's good. I think when we find out and we have the ability to find out we have additional special needs, I think that those deserve additional supports to make sure that those kids get the best from their public education. So even if the government chooses to freeze, I think that uh, it's almost inevitable when they say boards will have the ability to increase fees. They certainly will feel like they have to. It's either that or risk the quality of education for their students. So uh, absolutely downloading fees onto parents is something that happened before. Um, and it's uh, something that I think is wrong. One of the other things that I have been hearing about from a lot of parents, it's been the news a lot lately, has been the question around curriculum. So the new government, UCP, they've brought in their curriculum review panel. They're going to be taking another look at some stuff that we worked on and developed as a government. So can you tell us a little bit about that process? How does the curriculum work? Who decides what we're teaching to kids in schools? Yeah, so across Canada, we have individual authorities for each province and territory to make that determination themselves. I think that uh, many times we've worked collaboratively to try to make sure there's some consistency, but it is up to the individual provinces and territories to determine their own curriculum. So that's something that we were engaged in a very extensive review over, over years involving uh, staff who work in Alberta education, as well as folks from the universities, employers, parents, teachers, um, and some students to make sure that uh, we're learning about things that are relevant to them today as well as to the careers they're going to have down the down the road in the future and and making sure that we have a successful bridge between K to 12 and post-secondary. So it's something that uh, we took that consultation very seriously and wanting to make sure that we updated curriculum. Some of it was, uh, I remember there was a piece, I think it was the drama curriculum was written and put forward when I was in grade five. And uh, there are some uh, really outdated pieces, including some of the science curriculum for uh, elementary school and, and pieces like that. And, and science and drama evolve. And so should the way that we teach and so should what we teach. So there's been a lot of claims from the government that uh, that we didn't hear from everyday Albertans. So we didn't hear from uh, from the people that uh, from parents and other people that should be involved in the process. What are your thoughts on that? Who was actually involved in helping to write this curriculum? So I think that's really disrespectful to the thousands of people who did contribute. Uh, many parents were involved in the the drafting itself and on many of the committees. So uh, as well as the business community, this is something that uh, they have a vested interest and so do we as uh, 
as essentially stewards for the public to make sure that students are learning what they need to to be successful. Financial literacy, something when I was on the board that we lobbied a lot for, because there isn't really a strong component of financial literacy in the current curriculum. This is something that I think benefits all of us as society when we're constantly updating and reviewing what it is that we're teaching. And uh, I know that there, of course, needs to always be a strong foundation in literacy and numeracy that is uh, never going to be taken away from the curriculum. Uh, in my opinion, and in, in educators' opinions. Obviously, you need to read, you need to have, understand what you're reading, and you need to have that foundation in, in numeracy and math as well. So those were, of course, always going to be a strong foundation, but making sure that we talk about things like the internet, which was invented since the last time the curriculum was updated. So one of the other things I'm hearing a lot from parents about, and I'm seeing a lot of this on social media, people posting about the number of kids that are in their uh, in their kids' classroom. You know, so one teacher, 30 students, 28 students, 25 students. What is this concern about with class sizes? Do we have enough teachers for our schools? I don't think so. And that's one of the reasons why we, for the last several years when we were in government and why we also put it in our platform, had a classroom improvement fund as one of our priorities. Because uh, I think when you talk to that kindergarten teacher who has 50 students that they have to know between their morning and their afternoon class, that's a lot of new kids you need to teach a lot of information to in a small period of time. All of the research shows that the early years are fundamental to having uh, successful opportunity in completing high school and, and being um, having good earning potential down the road as well and being contributors to your society. I was in Calgary last week and was visiting with a mom of a daughter in a French immersion class. It was grade five, and there are 45 kids registered in that class. And she says, you know, she spoke to the principal, and they're hoping to hire an additional teacher. They don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But in the meantime, there were too many kids in that class. There were literally three kids sharing a desk on day one. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's not <laughs> an ideal learning environment. And that's one of the reasons why we don't think that the UCP should be waiting until the end of October to bring forward a budget. We think they should do it now. We think they should come into that legislature, show us what their actual priorities are and uh, if, where they're going to be cutting. And if they're not going to, great. Show these schools that you're going to fund properly and make sure that principal knows that they will be supported in hiring an additional teacher without going into debt because legally they can't go into debt. They have to have a balanced budget. So when you don't give them their actual budget, it's not fair to them either. So you were telling me earlier, both your parents worked as teachers. And so I imagine at home, you heard plenty of stories uh, about what it was like for them in the classroom, what their experience was. And now in your work uh, with the Edmonton Public School Board, and now as the critic for education, I'm sure you've heard from many teachers about what it's like in the classroom now. Would you say it's a bigger challenge for teachers now? Are they facing more difficult conditions in the classroom? So when I was finishing high school, it was the mid to late 90s. And my parents, even though they had both, I think, very good careers, uh, they definitely felt attacked at the time. Um, They both had taken 5% rollbacks to their pay because they were told it was going to save the jobs of these junior staff members. And then what happened? They got fired anyway. So there was a lot of uh, mistrust and animosity, I'd say, between teachers and between the province. And my dad was pretty uh, persuasive that he didn't actually think I should become a teacher. It's not because he didn't love working with students or instilling uh, important life knowledge and skills in them and working with their parents. It's because he didn't feel respected by his government. And that's a big thing. When your employer is attacking you, your livelihood, your pension, uh, it's really tough to think that this is a career that you want for your own child. So uh, I am a little stubborn. I'm glad I pursued education anyway, and I'm glad to be able to be here 
uh, pushing uh, the government and standing up with with teachers and all school staff. And I think it's important that we treat them with respect and and the the expertise that they have. Uh, they come to the classroom with all of them at least four years post secondary. Many of them five or six, and uh, a lot of. Um, uh, learning that they do on the job as well. When the bell rings, they don't stop learning. They're still planning for the next day, doing professional development, working on making sure their kids get the best from them because that's what our kids deserve. So there's a lot of different people that are involved in the education process, but I think we recognize that uh, one of the most important voices at the table is parents. So I took the opportunity to speak with Allison Pike, who works with the Alberta School Council Association, an organization that works with parent-led school councils across the province, about some of their thoughts on the curriculum review. Well, hi, Allison. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me today. So uh, the Alberta School Council Association, uh, some folks in the province might not be familiar with school councils. Can you tell us a bit about what they are and how your organization works with them? Absolutely, David. So uh, school councils in the province of Alberta are legislated. So every school, um, whether it's charter, Catholic, public or Francophone school must have a school council. And it is an opportunity for parents to be able to have their voice in education and Alberta School Council Association is the association that represents collectively the parent voice in the province and has done so for the past 90 years. That's fantastic. So uh, how many parents would you say that represents them that are involved in school councils in Alberta? Oh, we'll be talking in the hundreds of thousands. We have currently over 1,300 school councils that are our members, and um, that's the majority of them across the province. And the majority of parents are able to have their voice heard through our association. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a lot of parents having a direct voice in the process. And speaking of which, you know, the current government uh, uh, expresses a lot of concern about the opportunity for parents to have been involved in the curriculum review process that was happening over the last few years. Now, I understand that the Alberta School Council Association was a part of that. Can you tell me about how you were involved and how that allowed parents to be part? Absolutely. Over the process, um, it, over the last number of years, Alberta School Council Association, our uh, board of directors, as well as our staff, have been able to uh, be engaged in opportunities throughout the years where we've met with and worked together with our partners, including the teachers, where we sat and worked through, looked at curriculum and came up with, um, like, gave feedback, provided that, came back, they came back with other options and we worked through that. And then the bigger part is that it was an opportunity for Albertans to be able to have their input. So Alberta School Council Association worked together with Alberta Education, and we provided 24 sessions across the province last spring, where we traveled across the province, opened it up for any community member that wanted to come, uh, made sure that school councils were invited so that parents knew that their voice, this was their opportunity to have their voice heard in curriculum. The curriculum was provided for everybody to be able to take a look at and to provide their input. And there was curriculum experts at all of those 24 sessions across the province so parents could ask questions and be able to provide their feedback. As well, in addition to that, some parents said, I still need to have more time. They were able to go home, gather if they had more thoughts, and they were still able to provide those thoughts into us in Alberta Ed, and those were um, gathered and put together with the feedback from across the province. That's incredible. So you guys are providing a very valuable resource and opportunity to hear from parents in this process. Uh, did you feel that the voices of parents were uh, were generally considered and heard when they spoke up? Absolutely. Um, all along in this process, we have felt that the parent voice was at the table. There was never a time where we were excluded from 
any of the, the work that was happening. Uh, we felt that it was appropriate level that we were engaged in and our voice was heard. There was things that, um, you know, we wanted to see different or things that we had heard from parents that they wanted to, you know, have some clarity on. And those pieces were provided for parents. That's fantastic. So the new government has uh, started their now curriculum review panel. Uh, have they given the opportunity for you as an organization to participate in that panel or for parents to provide feedback through you? They have not. Um, we're definitely pleased that the pause is off because curriculum does need to move ahead and we need to ensure that our students are going to be able to have updated curriculum. But it's definitely um, a concern that there isn't a parent that um, is rep represented on there that's currently sits on a school council and is currently in engaged in, in education um, at the level that school council parents are. Um, wanting, really wanting to have a current parent that has a child in the education system that um, can be represented, and we don't feel that that, that is there. Um, so definitely concerns with not having that school council representation. We are hoping that through this process that there will be some engagement opportunities for our association as well as other key partners, including obviously the, the teachers are a key piece that uh, current teachers are not part of that curriculum panel, and that's to parents as well. Well, I certainly appreciate the uh, the work that uh, the ASCA is doing and the opportunity you're providing for parents. Uh, if there are parents who are themselves interested in getting involved in a school counselor, finding more, uh, finding out more about uh, how they can uh, have their voice heard in this process, uh, how would they go about that? So definitely go and talk with their principal, get involved in their school council. Uh, they typically meet at least once a month, and it's a great opportunity for parents to feel that their voice is heard. Uh, we also encourage them to talk with their trustees and their MLAs to express what their concerns are. And then, of course, um, we're, we have coming up, we want to hear from parents from across the province. So on November 23rd, we have a virtual fall general meeting where we'll be able to have an opportunity to hear from parents. They'll be able to register and engage with us. And we also have the Minister of Education is going to be a part of that meeting on November 23rd. We certainly hope that uh, parents are able to uh, connect with us and be able to share their concerns with what's happening in education. And if folks wanted to find more information on that town hall, where would they go? They can go to our website, so Alberta School Councils Association.ca, and there's definitely lots of information there. And another great opportunity is we have a school council engagement task force where they can sign up to be able to provide input to us on a variety of topics. The current topic right now is um, choice in education knowing that the Choice in Education Act is going to be coming, um, the government is working on it for the spring, and we want to hear from parents, and that's the current topic question that we're looking for feedback on. Excellent. Well, thanks for your work, Allison, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. When you're talking education, one of the most important parts of the process are the teachers themselves who spend their time in the classroom teaching, inspiring young people and helping build our future leaders. So before Sarah Hoffman took off, we took an opportunity to sit down and talk about some of our favorite teachers from when we were in school. Now, I have a ton of respect for what teachers do. I can certainly think back. I had a lot of teachers who uh, I think were some pretty big influences for me in in my time in school. Name three, David. Na three? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, three teachers who were influential for me. Um, thinking back, uh, 
I think her name was Miss Smith. She was my teacher in grade three. I was in a grade three, four split class at Baturin Elementary. Uh-huh. And we had an assignment to do a writing assignment for Remembrance Day. And I wrote some extra verses for In Flanders Fields. And, you know, she came over, she asked me, and she said, did, did you write this or did so? And so she was really encouraging uh, of Impressed. me at that time. Yeah, yeah. And really gave me some really positive feedback that made me want to work harder at writing. And English did become one of my favorite subjects. So actually one of my other really influential teachers was my grade nine English teacher, uh, Mrs. Westerland. Mm. And uh, what she would do is at the beginning of the English class, she would come in and she would go around the room and randomly drop an index card on three different desks. And on that card would be a topic. And you'd have five minutes to come up with a quick speech on that topic, five-minute speech. You had to have an introduction, make three points, and a conclusion. Nice. That's how I learned to write an essay. And I loved it. I loved having that challenge and coming up with creative ideas. That fed into my love of I was one of those kids that actually liked to write essays and arguments. Yeah, yeah. And that's fed in right up till today. That fed into my musical creativity and right up to what I do in the house now. So that's, that's a lesson that I still, I still carry with me to this day. Was that two? That was two. Okay. Uh, so the last one I'd say is probably Mr. Hughes, who was my high school English teacher. Uh, and again, he was just really inspirational and really encouraging. Uh, I was not an easy kid to, to like in some respects. Uh, I was... Uh, I was raised in a in a very uh, very strongly uh, Christian home, and I brought that into the classroom and was quite outspoken and uh, wrote surprise, some surprise. very <laughs> wrote some very uh, very strong essays and stuff for the class. But he was very uh, accepting and open and and willing to listen and just encouraged me sort of in my writing skills, even on the things where maybe I was a. Uh, a little bit outspoken and where we might have disagreed. So I really appreciated uh, a lot of his support as well. So back at you then, same question. Who are, uh, who are three teachers or folks in the school system that uh, really had an influence on you? Thank you so much. I'm uh, really excited. I, oh, Matt, I, I want to do four. Will you let me do four? If we, we can do four quick. Yeah. Okay. So uh, number one, I'm going to say Mrs. Berry. And she was actually the person, the at that time we called them secretaries, who when you walked into the school, she was the admin assistant who was there. And it was before I even started going to school. I got to know her because I'd go and visit my dad or we'd drop off his lunch. And, and she was always that smiley, happy person. That was Altario School down in southeastern Alberta. Um, then my grade six teacher, uh, Ms. Horseman, she was fantastic. She really uh, helped us. She was trained as a high school teacher, but uh, was hired into grade six. And she helped us feel a sense of maturity and confidence that we didn't feel until that point in our education. She really inspired a lot of us to uh, be more independent. So I appreciate that uh, a lot. And Mrs. LaValle was the uh, educational assistant in that classroom and, and most of my schooling. She was with us as a cohort because there were some students who needed additional supports. She wasn't just there with us for one year. She followed those students in our class through basically the whole schooling experience. So that was fantastic. And then the last one I want to mention is Mr. McPherson, who was my shop teacher in grade seven. I got a, an award for being the best girl in shop. When nice. I, was still nice. <laughs> I still have the hammer <laughs> in my toolbox. Uh, but then he also became our guidance counselor. And he's the one who said to me when I was finishing high school and I was worried about, you know, what career I should go into. He said, you know, the most interesting people never know. 
take your time, pursue what you love, contribute in that way. And then if you decide to have another career down the road, so be it. And he also took me to my first student leadership conference and helped me feel like I could be a leader in our school and in our community. And uh, until then, I'd say I was a little bit uh, quieter. I wasn't exactly an introvert, but I was a quieter kid. I sat back. I did a lot of listening and he helped me see that I could also lead. So, uh yeah, I'm really grateful to all four of those people for their supports over the years. That's amazing. Well, certainly I can say, uh, say from experience, you're not someone that's afraid to speak your mind now. <laughs> and, we, and we've and we deeply appreciated that as, as part of our caucus and, uh, and having you on our team. So uh, one of the things uh, I'd like to do here on the podcast is give uh, folks a chance to talk about things happening in their community. So over in Edmonton, Glenora, uh, I've got anything cool, interesting that's coming up in your community in the next little bit. Yeah, I'll just maybe plug two things. One is every Thursday night, there's a one 24th Street Farmer's Market, always a fun place to hang out. There's live music on the little stage on, it's 108th Avenue and 124th Street. And it's a great place to be and see each other. So that's a lot of fun. And then the second one I meant, want to mention is uh, one time only, September 19th. It's the grand opening for St. Pius Playground. Mm-hmm. So that's an excellent uh, school right in Edmonton, Glenora. It's actually situated in the neighborhood of Sherbrooke. And they have been uh, fundraising for this uh, very inclusive playground. It's something that kids with all sorts of different abilities will be able to interact on the playground equipment fully. And I think it's a great initiative, something that I was proud as MLA to help them uh, get some some grant money to support that initiative, but something the parents have been working on for years. And I'm really excited to be there for the official opening and to see kids playing in an inclusive playground. And that's a wrap on the first ever episode of The Herd. So thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll stay with us. Next week, we're going to be talking about another big issue in our province, the economy. But don't worry, we're not going to be talking numbers and budging equations. We're going to talk about oil and gas, diversification, and the recent government review of our provincial spending. I'll be joined by our finance critic, Shannon Phillips, and economist Mark Anielski. So I hope you'll tune in. I should also mention, talking about the budget, we are going to be going out around the province, visiting with folks in some different cities. We're going to be in Edmonton, Calgary, Grand Prairie, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat. We're going to head up to Fort McMurray. You can join us to talk about your thoughts on the budget that's coming up at the end of October. If you go to albertandpcaucus.ca backslash budget 2019. It's ca backslash budget 2019. You can find the dates and you can register to make sure we save you a seat. But to wrap up today, you know, one of my personal passions is music. And I spent about a dozen years working here in Edmonton as a musician and a studio engineer. I know what incredible talent we have in our city and across our province. So one of the things we want to do with our podcast is take the opportunity to showcase some of the incredible musicians we have in Alberta. So each week we're going to feature a song by an up and coming or maybe even a completely unheard of Alberta musician. So if you're interested in having one of your songs or a song by an artist that you know promoted and played here on the herd podcast just uh, hit us up on twitter at the herd pod that's at the herd pod on twitter and uh, we'd be happy to hear from you and your suggestions for who we can feature thanks again for tuning in we'll see you next week